On this edition of Bible Study Podcast, we'll see how Jesus is ushering in the new Exodus as we begin John 6, starting now. Welcome once more to a new edition of Bible Study Podcast. My name is Justin, and it's a pleasure to be with you again this week. We're breaking new ground as we enter chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, and as we continue our journey through that book, so I hope you're ready to see something exciting again today. I might also like to remind you of the conference which I told you about last week. If you are at all interested in apologetics, which is the defense of the Christian faith, and it's at all possible for you to be in the area of Charlotte, North Carolina, for November 9th and 10th, I would strongly recommend that you visit www.nationalapologeticsconference.com for more information on the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. It will be an exciting event with lots of the top-name apologists for the Christian faith in attendance, so I want to kind of encourage you to check that out if you, you have the ability. I'd also like to encourage you, now that we have entered the month of November, to to be thinking about something with me, to to think about a family or a friend that you know of that needs some help. Now, as those of you in America know, at the end of November, we, we celebrate Thanksgiving as a time to be thankful for what God has provided us with. You know, originally it was the pilgrims thanking God for this new colony that would become America. Well, I want to encourage you, you know, those of you who are listening and who have become regulars now, to kind of take the time to reflect on how you've been blessed. You know, what are the things you're thankful for? And I want you to think about these in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. And I'd really like to encourage you to kind of find someone in your church or your workplace or even your neighborhood that that has needs. You know, whether it be a financial need, a a social need, a need for friends, definitely a need for Christ or any other kind of need that you can think of. And pray that God will help you bless that person with that need. You know, I want to urge you, I guess the best way to say I want to strongly urge you to invite someone to share turkey with you. You know, let someone watch a football game with you. Let someone goof around with your family, whatever it may be. Just shake it up a little bit this year and help bless those around you. You may be the vehicle God is using to bring that person to Christ. So I want to ask you to prayerfully consider what you can do this year as we approach Thanksgiving. I'd also like to thank those of you who prayed with me over my Greek midterm last week. You know, although I don't have the grade back yet, so I can't really report to you if I did well or not, I I felt very comfortable and I was very relaxed as I took the test, and and I want to thank you for that. I I know it was through the power of prayer that I was able to (laughs) be as comfortable as I was for the test. And, And I'd like to remind those of you out there listening that any requests, any questions, any kind of responses, or or any other comment you'd like to make or would like to address to me, you can send to me at BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com. Please let me hear from you. I'd be glad to hear what you have to think or to say about an issue. Uh, With that said, let's turn to our Heavenly Father together. Father, we praise you for the life you have given to us. We pray that you will help us to keep our eyes upon you and learn from your word as we venture through it tonight. Bless us for our efforts. Help us to use that blessing to bless others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now as we begin today, I'd like to try something a little bit different with this podcast. 
usually we'll go through a passage, and I'll just kind of read a verse or two at a time, and we'll just kind of go through it like that. But but this week, I'd like to go ahead and, and read the whole passage to you to begin with. And, and this is, you know, fairly lengthy compared to one or two verses, but I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and read the passage, and then we'll go back and develop our study afterwards. My hope in doing this is that it will help you to get the flow of the story a little bit more, that you'll kind of get a grasp of what's going on in the big picture, and also that it will begin to help you to think in terms of what is the meaning of this passage? What am I looking for? What are we thinking of as we read this passage? So if, <laughs> if at the end of this podcast you think this was a terrible idea, please email me. Let me know, <laughs> and we won't try to cross that bridge again. But if it's something that works, if it's something that seems very helpful to you, let me know. And we're always trying to improve here at Bible Study Podcast, so I'd love to hear your, uh, your response, your answers. With that said, let's begin today by reading John chapter 6, verses 1 to 21. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Well, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about five thousand. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also of the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. Then, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now, this is a lot to kind of go over, I, I know, but we'll go back and we'll pick up any pieces that you may have missed or pieces that were important. Now, the scene which John has set up for us here is quite an amazing one, I believe. We see Jesus has just left the Jews, you know, after the discourse which we covered the last three weeks back in chapter 5. He has left the Jews and has gone across the Sea of Galilee, and now there is a crowd following, a rather large crowd, in fact. This group that is following him has at least 5,000 men, as we saw in verse 10, 
and that's not counting any women or children that may have been present. You know, in other words, this is a this is a pretty big ordeal. This is a large following. Now we're told that the people are following because they have seen Jesus perform signs. So by this time, he is on the map. You know, he's known in the area. He's a he's a big guy. He's popular. And as such, he has a massive crowd following to see what he does next. And so Jesus goes, and he sits on the mountain, and the Passover was near. Now this may seem like a trivial thing, maybe like a simple time declaration, but in truth it is an essential fact to what is about to happen. The Passover was the time when the Jews celebrated the angel of death passing over the Jewish firstborn children during the last plague which God afflicted Egypt with in order to release the captive Jewish slaves in what is known as the Great Exodus. This was a time when the families would come together to sacrifice a lamb to cover the house for its sins. This was one of the holiest and most reverent times for the Jews, so it was no small matter that this is when the event takes place, as we shall see. The people have a mindset of sacrifice. Their mind is on their sins, and it is this time when all this begins. So Jesus ascends the mountain, he sees the people, and he asks Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people that are following us? Now in reflection, John, the writer, he lets us know that Jesus was using this as a test for Philip, as a way to see if he understood that Jesus is God, and as God, he will provide for him. However, as we saw, Philip's mind immediately goes to the fact that the disciples have no money. Citing the fact that it would take about eight months' salary. That's that's about the the amount of value that you'd get from 200 denarii. So it'd take about eight months' salary to pay for such a meal. We don't have any money. We can't even pay for them to have a little bit. That's Philip's response. But it is then that Andrew enters the scene. And with him is a small boy carrying a small lunch of fish and barley loaves. Now Andrew's observation is both keen and telling. He notes that while they now have some food, which is better than none, it's so small, it's so meaningless compared to the task at hand. I think this is something that we need to realize at times as well. You know, we often work as hard as we can and try to do everything we possibly can to serve God, to live for God, to do the things He commands of us. But the truth is, we we simply don't have the resources for the task. We must seek God to help us. We must trust that if God has called us to a task, that he will provide the means and the power to persevere through the task. I believe this is the exact point that Jesus is using this test to accomplish. The disciples must see that he is trustworthy. He will provide for them, and no matter their work will make it any better. It is Christ who will meet their needs. He is the one to whom you will turn. He is the one who will tell you what you need to do. That's the lesson I think he's trying to get to the disciples with this test. And so we see that the people are seated in the grass. Jesus gives thanks, and he hands the people as much as they wanted. In fact, he gave them so much that when the disciples go to clean up, there are 12 baskets remaining. Ironically, one for each of the disciples. You see, they were able to clearly see that God could provide for for them beyond anything they could do for themselves. In fact, he could provide so much, he could feed such a crowd and still have a basket remaining for each of them. What an incredible lesson. 
Well, as we continue, we, we notice that the people immediately pick up on the fact that, that what was once five loaves and two fish has now fed 5,000 plus, and their response is, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, remember back to uh, months ago when we covered John 1, verse 21, that the people thought the prophet was to come again, that one like Moses would come to lead the people on another exodus. It is this that they were crying for. Now Jesus sees this and he knows the people want to make him king. He knows that their mindset is this prophet will come and lead them to overthrow the captive. You know, It will lead them to overthrow the Roman government that is over them now politically and take power in the world again, regain the land. Jesus knows this is their aim, so he withdraws to the mountain alone. You see, friends, as we're about to see, Jesus is the one who was to come. He is the one who would lead the people on a new exit. He was the prophet. The people were right. He had come to lead them on a new journey from the wilderness into the promised land, but the people weren't fully right. You see, they knew he was a prophet, and they were right to say that, but the people thought that he meant that he was coming to regain the land for them, a physical kingdom. But now Jesus did not come to set up a physical kingdom now. This first time he'd come to build a spiritual kingdom. And so he withdraws in order that he is not put into a government role. He is not subjected into a civil war. So the day goes by, the night time comes, and the disciples do what it is that they do best. They get in a boat and they go to the sea. Now remember, most of these men were professional fishermen. They knew the waters. They knew the sea. It's probably just a time of refuge for them. A time of peace and a, and a way to get from point A to point B. So they got into their boats and they start to cross the sea to Capernaum, which is on the other side of the sea. Now it is here that John makes a point for us to know. He lets us know that it was already dark and Jesus hadn't come to them. So here are the disciples, row, row, rowing their boats when a strong wind begins to blow. Now, while this is not out of the ordinary for the Sea of Galilee to be stirred by a wind gust, what followed definitely was out of the ordinary. See, as they sail along, they see Jesus walking on the water. Now, in the parallel account of this story in Mark, Mark writes that Jesus was walking on as if he were intending to pass them. In other words, it's as if Jesus is just casually walking across the sea, getting from one side to the other, and just happens to pass the disciples on the way. But this is no casual matter for the disciples. So they begin to freak out. Now, I completely understand this. You know, I, I think I would be quite afraid as well if I were to see a man who at this point they may not have been able to recognize. The parallel accounts make it look as though they didn't know who it was at first. They just see a man walking along the sea in the midst of quite a storm. I don't know. I, I might even be thinking, man, I, I need to work out more. I... That three or four mile row that we just took is making me hallucinate. There is somebody out there. You know, it's something to freak out about. But no matter what they were thinking at the time, Jesus, Jesus notices their fear, calms them down, and says to them, It's me. It's me, guys. Don't be afraid. He enters the boat. As the text says, they were willing to let him in. And the text says they immediately were at the land to which they were going. In other words, Jesus performed a miracle directly upon arrival. 
makes the boat go immediately from the middle of the ocean, middle of the sea, directly to the shore. Now it's at this point that I want you to see the parallel John is drawing here. You see, in the Exodus, the people were called by God to leave Egypt and go to the mountain where God commanded them on how to get to the promised land. They were in the wilderness. And while in the wilderness, he provided them with food, took them to the river Jordan where God directed them through Joshua to enter the promised land. Here now is Jesus, God in the flesh. And he has come and he has brought the people to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. In other words, he has taken them out of the land of Israel. They are once again in the wilderness. And it is here in the wilderness that he has miraculously fed the people. And he is now taking his chosen people, these disciples, and helping them cross miraculously the sea to enter into the promised land. See, John is showing us that this Jesus is indeed God and is indeed the prophet who was to come to deliver God's chosen people. He is coming for another great exodus. He has come to lead the people into the promised land. Now our time has come to an end, but, but next week we'll see how the people respond to finding Jesus on the other side of the lake. We'll see that Jesus explains that while God gave the people manna back in the Old Testament, which was a physical bread to be filled with, He's coming to bring a different kind of bread. You see, we will see that this exodus that Jesus is now leading the people on is not the same kind of exodus before. It's not a physical overtaking of the land. but Rather, it's an overtaking into the kingdom of heaven. The bread he gives, we will talk about next week, it's not something you chew on, but it's something that you are truly filled with. We shall see. This is indeed the prophet that was to come. Christ is indeed God in the flesh. And he has come to lead the people to new life. But until we cover that next week, and until we meet again, I, I want to remind you, send me an email for anything you may need. And until we meet again, may God bless and keep you. Come Go by and discover